today on Abounding Grace. There's nothing better for me than, it's a little glimpse into the secret thoughts of David and also of you. Will you come to a sad, false conclusion? Will you come to the end of that phrase, there's nothing better for me to do than quit? There's nothing better for me to do than run away. There's nothing better for me to do because really the truth is there's nothing better for you than just to submit yourself totally to the will of God. There's nothing better for you and me to do than to trust the Lord. As hard as it is right now, God will get you through it. This is amazing grace. This is There is nothing better for me than... How would you complete that sentence, in all honesty? Well, by the end of our time together here on Abounding Grace, we hope you'll say along with us, there's nothing better for me than to trust God. Today's message was recorded recently at our Refresh Ministry Conference. It went so very well, we thought we'd share it with you here on the radio. Turn with us to 1 Samuel chapter 27, as we learned that David was in a difficult season, similar to our own, perhaps. How he chose to handle it will be instructive to us all. Here's Ed Taylor. We come to David in a time here of a deep discouragement and depression descends upon him. In Psalm 13, verse 1, it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Some of you feel like that right now. You assess your life and your ministry you assess where you are. Some of you are so frustrated with where you are in serving the Lord. Frustrated with the people you serve. Frustrated with the city you're in. Frustrated with the position you've been placed in. Frustrated in a thousand different ways. Have you forgotten me, God? And you feel that way. Take comfort that you're not the only one. You're not the only one that, that may be feeling, how long will you hide your face from me, he says. How long shall I take counsel in my soul? which is where David is here. David's assessing the situation, thinking about it, processing it. And he finally comes to the conclusion, it's over. Saul's going to kill me. I think I'll run away to the enemy to, for the protection that they can give me. And you go, wow, I would never do that. Really? Truly? How many times has this happened to us? David loved God. He's the one that's right psalms. He's the one that's praying. He's the one that's stepping out in faith. He's the one up to this point has been living patiently upon the Lord. But the mistake began when he was talking to himself. You want to be very careful who you seek counsel from. In tough times, you tend to seek counsel with people that agree with you. Even social media giants understand this as they create algorithms for you to only see the things that you want to see. And you wonder why you're so frustrated and angry all the time when they've set you up. You just see the same exact things all the time. 
And they agree with you. And then they make you more angry. And then they send you, oh, you're angry at that? Here, let me give you another angry one. And then you call a buddy of yours. And guess what? He's angry too. And then you go into the kitchen and talk to your wife. Guess what? You've ticked her off too. And all the people that could speak into your life and all the people that could give you the word and all the people that could speak the truth have disappeared. When we begin to talk to ourselves in our hearts, that's when things really get mixed up and confused. And again, it's not just talking to ourselves. We have a whole new world in which we live today. You're not just talking to yourselves, but you're also talking to YouTube people. Or at least you're listening to them and letting them fill you with information. Then there's that 60-second TikTok opinion. Got to get that one. Pass that one on. And there are now some popular pastors that you never even knew about before. But now they're like number one on the list of those that you want to hear. So many voices. But the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what? He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise. And we memorize five and six, right? I memorize five and six. Here's seven. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. This is where, like David... We too will come to the wrong conclusions and head straight into the enemy's territory when we only consult ourselves. David's declaration of despair showed that he had lost faith in the promise of God. It shows that the promises of God have become blurred in his life. Because you Bible students, you know this. God promised David to sit on the throne. That was the promise of God. And it's amazing, is it not, that we would receive the promise of God, but when it doesn't materialize very quickly or episodes thing happen in our lives that are exact opposite of what we expected, what happens? A natural response is we begin to doubt the promises of God. God said, David, you're going to sit on the throne, but you don't understand. It's been so hard. I'm on the run. Everybody's mad at me, and it's tired. I don't want to do this. And God said. This is what God said which is so much of what we see in our culture today. Like here we are as a, a Bible, uh, Bible teaching family that has been teaching prophecy from the day that we opened our mouth and opened our Bibles. And now that it's happening in front of us, many people are freaking out like, it's, well, I can't believe it's happening. What do you mean you can't believe it's happening? You're living in the midst of Bible prophecy right now. This is an end time opportunity for the gospel to go forth. This is it. You know what the problem is? You're like, yeah, it's it, but I didn't think it was going to happen in my lifetime. I want the rapture to take place. I do too, but it hasn't yet. And so we await the soon coming of the Lord. David's declaration just reveals that he had lost heart in the promises of God, lost faith in God's word. Because you know, it would only be three more years. I wonder what it is for you. Three more days. Three more weeks, three more months, three more years. It's just three years for David until he experiences the promises of God. Just three more years. Friend, I don't know what the time frame is for you to experience the promises of God. 
but you can say it is coming. You can say it with absolute certainty. The promises of God will be fulfilled in your life and in mine. No one and nothing can thwart the will of God in your life. Nothing. Never. Ever. He doesn't know the time frame. He doesn't know the time frame, but he's got the promise. Is your problem today you want the time frame and you've dismissed the promise? Because look, you don't know the time frame either in your life, but you got the promise. You got the promise. As you are wrestling with waiting on God, it's so easy. It's so easy to find yourself in a place of trusting in yourself. God had declared to David that he had rejected Saul from being king. And David would rule in his place. And where's David at? This is what emotion does and circumstances and pressure, pressure, pressure. How many of you are feeling the pressure of our culture today? Pressure. It's almost like you can't breathe. As a pastor, it's the role I have in this fellowship. It's like I can't say anything without somebody being super mad at me. I mean, it's always been that way, but now it's like, wow. And even something that's well-intentioned can be so misconstrued. I received a note recently that was paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of what a bad person I was. And my temptation was, no, you don't know. I am pretty good. I am. I'm so, no, it wasn't like that. But instead, I just decided, the Lord, Lord, you're going to have to watch my back on this. And I just responded, thank you, and moving on. I, I know where I was. I know what my heart was. But how many of those can you take? That's heavy. It's heavy for you. It may not be email for you. It might be a friend. You know, difficult times, unfortunately, have a way of revealing who your real friends are. And you remember this. Real friends always tell you the truth in love. Don't forget that. Real friends always speak the truth into your life. David, he's such a heavy place right now. He's overwhelmed. And you know, we would be in a very similar place if we faced what he faced. If David was in our office and we got a chance to talk to him, I'd just give him a big hug and say, you know what, David? This is a, you, your, your feelings are normal. This is exactly what someone in your position would feel experiencing what you've experienced. David stopped believing God would take care of him. He stopped believing God would protect him. He stopped believing that God would keep his promises. You know how Abraham, he's always lifted up as the one in Romans 4, even the Bible says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he also was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Man, it makes Abraham sound like a perfect guy. This is the guy that lied about his wife, isn't it? This twice. This is the guy that had a messed up family. This is, and yet, there was in him, even in the old covenant, you and I have more in the new covenant, but there was in him a desire. You know what? I'll trust you, God. Moment by moment. It's such a troubling thing to think I can do better. I, I better do something myself because obviously, look, God isn't going to do anything about it. I better run away. I, I better, I, I've been trusting God for all these years, but now I've come to a place, okay, I've waited on you long enough, I better do something myself. That's always a bad place to be. Thinking that God doesn't keep his word. You look at your situation, you go, God is, a, look at this nonsense. I can't believe it. 
Do you hear what they did now? You hear what they said then? I just can't believe it. Why is God doing this? You know what? I can stop it. The minute that I think that I can take better care of my life than God can, the minute I think that I can improve upon God's plan for my life, that I got to take it over and do it myself, is the beginning of the end in my life and yours. Warren Wiersbe put it this way. God was using the difficulties in David's life to make him a man of God and to prepare him for the throne. But now he decided to go his own way and solve his own problems. Listen, God's children must be careful not to yield to despondency. That's tweetable right there. God's children must be careful not to yield to despondency. Moses was discouraged over his heavy workload and wanted to die, Numbers chapter 11. Elijah ran from the place of duty because of fear and discouragement, 1 Kings chapter 19. When we start, he says, when we start to look at God through our circumstances, instead of looking at our circumstances through God, we will lose faith, patience, and courage, and the enemy will triumph. And Wearsby agrees with me when he quotes Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Notice again in verse 1, something to watch out for in your mind, in your heart. He says there is, he comes to the conclusion, there is nothing better for me than. Nothing better for me than. And of course, he had the idea of running away to the enemy, but you can fill in the own, your own blank for your life. As you assess, there's nothing better for me then. It's a little glimpse into the secret thoughts of David and also of you. Will you come to a sad, false conclusion? Will you come to the end of that phrase, there's nothing better for me to do than quit? There's nothing better for me to do than run away. There's nothing better for me to do because really the truth is, there's nothing better for you than just to submit yourself totally to the will of God. There's nothing better for you and me to do than to trust the Lord. As hard as it is right now, God will get you through it. That's just a word for you from the Lord. As bad as it is, God will get you through it. You can look back, can't you, and see other times where God has gotten you through things that you didn't know and didn't see and weren't sure, and here you are. Here you are still serving him and loving him. He'll get you through in the past. He'll get you through now. My heart goes out to you. Even as I was praying for our time, if this is where you are, it's a hard place to be. You may have an overabundance of confidence and strength right now only because you've taken things into your own hands. You may be today dwelling in the enemy, with the enemy in Gath. I mean, David was at home. That's what that word dwell. He, he, went, he went to the enemy and made himself at home. He hung out. You can read the rest of the chapter how it turns out for him. It's a disaster. It's a disaster for him personally and also for his testimony. I'm certainly not here judging you or putting you down. I've experienced these things myself in a variety of different ways personally my personal life and ministry life, where you just look at it and in your assessment, you make the mistake that Warren Wiersbe says not to. You judge your 
You judge God through the circumstances instead of judging your circumstances through God. You just got it backwards. You know, David, he's not just emotionally drained here, but he's dealing with fear and anxiety of things where he really comes to that place where, man, I don't really control this. But the truth is in David's life, he controls nothing. He's utterly dependent upon the Lord, whether he admits it or not. God is sovereign over our lives. Sure, David's tired. You're tired. Sure, David's facing difficulty. You're facing difficulty. Sure, he's facing unfairness. You're facing unfairness. I mean, David is one of those guys he's paying. He's a godly man that loves God with all his heart, and he's paying a high price, listen, for the sin of someone else. And now it's gotten so hard for him. He's going to match the sin of someone else with his own sin. And be sure of this. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. You can't blame someone else. That's a popular cultural commitment that people make where they just choose to identify as the victim. But in Christ, you identify with the victor. He's your strength and your help. We don't want to run out and act before we pray and wait on God. But before we have an opportunity to think it through, we don't want to move out on our own without seeking the counsel of God and men that we trust. You see, David's problem, he had the priest with him. He could have asked. David, in the past, we've seen him consulting God. We see God giving, sending messages to David that Saul was indeed coming after him. And you, you see high places of faith. God showed him. God delivered him. He sought the Lord through the priest. But in this case, there's no mention in this chapter of God being consulted at all. That's a real danger for us that are in quote-unquote ministry. We say we're seeking the Lord, but we're actually not. And God will even send somebody into your life. You go, man, I just don't think that's from the Lord. Oh, no, I prayed about it. Everything becomes spiritual. And I don't know where that line is for you, but I don't even always know where that line is for me. But I do know this. When you are flat out dishonest with someone, that's not a good place to be. You know, when somebody calls, somebody, the Lord puts something, did you pray about it? Oh, I prayed about it. Actually, you didn't. But to look strong and spiritual, yeah, I'm a prayer warrior. I was up all night sweating, just like Jesus in Gethsemane. Don't be like David, church. Be careful when the pressure comes. Be careful that you're not living on your own analysis and your calculations. I know you've done the math and you, oh, we just can't do it. I don't know. What did the Lord say? Go back to what he said and live off of his promises. Trust him with your life. The devil loves to pressure us into actions that we'll spend years regretting because we hurried into it or delayed beyond the time and we didn't trust the Lord with our lives. Let me just say this. If God wants it for you, it'll be there tomorrow. You can wait on him. You don't have to worry about that. If God has it for you, it'll be there next week. You can spend a week in prayer on it, trusting him. If God wants you to have it, it'll still be there. When you're tired and overwhelmed, when you're discouraged, when everything around, when the whole world is around you is falling apart, all the social structures that you trusted in, people that you respect, and everything's falling apart, and you've just finally had enough, 
Do not follow the example of David here, where you say in your heart, there's nothing better for me than to. But instead, you can jot a note right there in chapter 27. There's nothing better for me than to trust in the Lord. He will see you through it. So Father, we are grateful for the word that you have for us. I pray God for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit right now in this place. I pray God that as we come to the end of ourselves, that we would resist the temptation to take things into our own hands and veer off in discouragement and distraction from the call that you placed upon our lives. It may be the popular thing we have to resist or the popular message. Oh, we may need to resist things that might assuage our emotions. But Father, give us the tenacity and the strength to resist temptation and to trust you with our lives moment by moment, day by day, in Jesus' name. Amen. There is nothing better for me than to trust in God. That's the big takeaway from today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, and it's the first of four messages in our Refresh Ministry Conference series. You can hear the series in its entirety on the Calvary Church app or at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, it's not too early for our listeners to make plans to join us next year for our Refresh Ministry Conference. How might the Lord use this in our listeners' lives, and why should they come? Larry, we set the dates and even added an extra day to the Refresh Conference for 2022. So should the Lord not return for us and the rapture of the church doesn't happen, we're going to be here October 6th, 7th, and 8th. 2022. Mark your calendars, look at plane ticket prices, and we want you here. Refresh is open to anyone that's serving the Lord, even a desire to serve the Lord. But we want you to come and be built up and schedule a couple extra days in Colorado. Uh, for 2021, the weather was amazing. Uh, and whether the whether we have snow or cold, a trip to Colorado is a true blessing. So mark your calendars, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. We're just still planning it, so we don't know who the teachers will be. We don't know who the guest worship will be. We're not entirely sure of the schedule. We're we're still planning and praying, and by the time we get there, it'll all be put together. The Lord will be ready to meet us here, and we're expecting a big, beautiful, wonderful gathering where unity takes place. And let me just say this, Refresh is not just for Calvary Chapel churches. So if you're listening and you go, well, you know, I'm in a Baptist church, non-denominational, Presbyterian, it, it that that's not it. If you love Jesus Christ, you want to grow. It doesn't matter what church you're serving in. Uh, we're here to serve you and encourage you. And this conference is open to all who call upon the name of the Lord, to all who are serving to all who love him and love his appearing. So you should come, be refreshed, be strengthened, be built up. Again, the dates, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. We added an extra day this year, or for 2022. 
October 6, 7, and 8. Unbelievable. Going to be blessed. Then you could stay the weekend and go up to the mountains uh, and make it a small little mini vacation to be built up. Or if you got to get back to service on Sunday, we're done in the afternoon on Saturday. Fly back Saturday night. Whatever the Lord has for you, we invite you. We want you to be here. I know you've already been encouraged by the studies, so you'll get more of that if you choose to come 2022. So mark this on your calendar for 2022, and we hope to see you here at Calvary Church for the Refresh Ministry Conference. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. I don't have to remind you that hard times visit all of us. Elizabeth is no stranger to suffering either. Her first husband, Jim, was murdered. Her second husband was lost to cancer. But it was in her deepest suffering that she learned the deepest lessons from God. Read all about it in Suffering is Never for Nothing. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a donation of $25 or more. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we're talking about the influence of faithful leaders. Don't miss our next installment in the Refresh series. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.